Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. I appreciate it. Um, okay, so a great show lined up. James Rogowski is going to be here. Uh, we're days away from a very important deadline. Um, uh, and James, does, I mean, it's he's really like the, the premier voice on all things COVID and the WHO and all of those shenanigans that are going on. So very excited to have him back to have an update. Uh, but first, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today is the 13 year anniversary of the release of Cablegate. Um, if you are unfamiliar with what Cablegate is, that was the releases from WikiLeaks uh, back in 2010. That was more than 250,000 classified diplomatic cables. And holy cow, was that a treasure trove of information? Um, so I could literally do an entire week's worth of shows and still not even make a dent in uh, explaining to you all of the different things things that were exposed in Cablegate. Um, So one of the revelations, one of the countless revelations was that then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton issued a classified directive for intensive spying on allies and the United Nations collecting credit card numbers, DNA, fingerprints, iris scans, passwords, and personal encryption keys of political leaders and top UN personnel. Man, don't we just love us some Hillary Clinton? She's just, what a woman. Uh, obviously, very sarcastic there. Um, if you're in Australia, Julian Assange revealed federal labor minister uh, as a U.S. informant who was providing inside information and commentary on the workings of the government and the ALP. Uh, they also, uh, Julian Assange also revealed cables that showed British weapons manufacturer BA, BAE Systems circumvented anti-bribery laws and paid 73 uh, million pounds in bribes to the Saudi prince. Um, there was a cable that summarized a meeting with a director of Al Jazeera that showed that U.S. officials expected a special report with graphic images of injured Iraqis to be changed and its images removed. And another cable, the director asked to explain Al Jazeera's lack of coverage of the Iran elections and protests, as opposed to their quote unquote heavy coverage of Gaza. I found that one to be uh, obviously relevant to today's news. Um uh, State Department cables also revealed that the U.S. worked with Australia to weaken the text of an international agreement banning the use of cluster munitions, also fairly relevant to uh, the goings-on of today. Uh, those are obviously bombs which spray thousands of smaller bomblets over a large area. Out of more than 13,000 casualties of cluster munitions registered by Handicap International, over 98% are civilian, and one-third of those our children. Uh, despite this, cables also revealed that the UK's then foreign minister, David Millibrand, secretly approved the use of legal of a legal loophole to allow the United States to store cluster munitions on UK territory, despite the fact that the UK is a signatory to the convention banning them. The United States is, of course, not a signatory, uh, signatory to uh, the convention on cluster munitions and even attempted in 2011 to have the ban lifted by the UN. I mean, I can't imagine why they would do that. Um, uh, one of my personal, I don't, it sounds weird to say one of my personal favorite revelations, but I guess that's really the only way to say it. Um, and I mean, I have to warn you, this is horrific and I'm not going to get too uh, intense here. I highly recommend though, going and checking out the story of uh, Khalid Al-Masri. Um, so uh, this is a cable that was released in 2003. Uh, Khalid Al-Masri was a German citizen of Lebanese descent. Uh, he was kidnapped while on vacation in Macedonia uh, and renditioned to Afghanistan by the CIA and was tortured for four months. Um, his captors finally figured out that he was innocent. And in fact, they, uh, 
uh, kidnapped him based on mistaken identity. Um, he was flown to Albania for some reason uh, and just dumped out on a country road without even so much as an apology. Um, and in a cable from 2007, uh, we learned that a German prosecutor issued arrest warrants for agents involved in Al Masri's kidnapping. Uh, and the U.S. ambassador in Berlin warned German officials that there would be repercussions. Um, and Khalid Al Masri was actually able to use WikiLeaks releases in his court case uh, to get some form of justice. I don't know how you can really get justice in that case. Um, I, 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 I really don't want to go into too much detail. When I say he was tortured for four months, he was tortured for four months. Some of the most horrific things I've ever heard about in my life. Uh, so again, if you're interested in uh, finding out what our CIA does to people on um, unaccountable black sites, go check out his story. It is horrific, but probably something that people should be aware of because that is definitely what's happening. Um, uh, and we should also mention that uh, it was today, November 28th in 2010, uh, that WikiLeaks began its groundbreaking, groundbreaking Cablegate series. Um, and just nine days later, Julian Assange was arrested and has been held in some form of detention ever since. So just think about everything that you have done um, from November 28th, 2000, or I guess nine days after November 28th, whatever that would be, or first week of December um, in 2010. Think of all the things that you have done in the 13 years since then, uh, and think of all the things that Julian Assange has uh, sacrificed. Um, if you are interested in learning more about the cable, uh, cable gate releases, uh, there is a book called the WikiLeaks Files. It's basically just a uh, compilation of the releases based on, um, I think it's kind of uh, sorted into uh, by country, uh, all the different releases. And um, it just so everybody knows the character of Julian Assange, as that has been long under um, uh, attack, uh, when Julian Assange, just prior to releasing Cablegate, Julian Assange said, quote, they will chase me to the ends of the earth they will make my life hell, but it is my obligation to make sure that the public sees this information, end quote. So thank you, Julian Assange. Thank you, WikiLeaks team, for um, not just the Cablegate releases, but all of the work that you have done, the services that you have provided to humanity over um, uh, the course of your existence. And hey, free Assange shall we? Okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day, so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email at mistywinston at tntradio.live. Guest idea, show idea, whatever. You just want to rant about something, hit me up. Um, I actually haven't checked that in a while. I've been kind of lazy about it. I'm sorry. If you've emailed me, I'm sorry. Um, uh, and also, if you have a possible suggestion for a guest in general that you would like to hear on TNT Radio, or you have a topic you feel we should be discussing, don't be shy. We want to hear from you. Uh, there is a suggestion form over on the TNT Radio website, which again is tntradio.live. Just fill that out and you can help us make a difference right here on TNT Radio. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. A former FBI agent assigned to the Washington field office has raised serious concerns about the expansion of the transportation. transportation I can't talk today. Transportation Security Administration, or the TSA, surveillance activities following the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. So here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. All right, my friends. So TSA is up to some shenanigans, huh? 
Well, I mean, the, the TSA would never uh, wrongfully <laughs> add an Americans to their terror watch list, right? Never. No, <laughs> never. Of course not. Uh, the, this uh, this former FBI agent who was assigned to the Washington field office, his name is Kyle Serafin. Uh, in an article published on Uncovered DC, Serafin highlights a previously undisclosed letter written by then chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security, Representative Benny G. Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, to TSA Administrator David Pekoski. Thompson's letter, dated January 11th, 2021, describes the Capitol incident as a quote-unquote insurrection aimed at, quote, preventing the certification of a democratic election and apparently inflicting violence upon elected officials, end quote. The representative noted the unpreparedness of federal agencies, despite, quote, evidence the attack was planned largely in open Internet forums, end quote. The letter details ongoing threats and the failure to arrest or restrict the movement of many involved, highlighting concerns about further violence, including at Joe Biden's inauguration. It calls for urgent briefings on on efforts to disrupt potentially threatening travel, deny air service to identified threats, protect transportation and safeguard members of Congress and the public. The letter also questions the TSA's efforts to identify and add the perpetrators of the January 6th protest to watch lists, as well as the agency's plans to protect surface transportation and ensure the safety of members of Congress, flight crew members, and the public from domestic terror groups while traveling. Seraphim's article basically then shifts gear and focuses on the Quiet Skies program, revealing its expansion to include Americans who were in the national capital region around January 6th. That's right. If you were just in that region somewhere around that time, hey, maybe we should expand this this program. What program? Oh, yes, that's right. Quiet Skies, in case you missed this one. That's a program by the TSA that uses air marshals to track and observe suspicious passengers. The program's goal is to identify travelers who may pose a risk to aviation security, i.e. a terrorist. Initially aimed at identifying international travelers for enhanced screening, whistleblowers and retired FAM Sonia Labasco have exposed abuses of this program, which has led to invasive screenings and a, quote, secondary security screening selection, or SSSS designation on boarding passes, often for individuals involved in First Amendment activities or were simply present in the area at the time. Lombosco, director of the Air Marshal National Council, the AMNC, highlights a shift in the Federal Air Marshal Services, that's FAMS, post-January 2021 from focusing on international counterterrorism to surveilling domestic travelers not on any other federal watch list and it would appear misty now we know why the excuse the precedence the impetus for doing such a thing was of course january 6 which as we all know was not an insurrection (laughs) if anything it was a fed surrection but um yeah yeah this is uh another one of these eye-opening reports that hopefully people who weren't aware of things like open skies will start paying attention but what do you think yeah hey maga you got played 
I mean, can y'all just please come to terms with that? You got played, you got used. Um, and it's uh, very frustrating to me to watch that play out. Uh, I, and in fact, this open skies crap uh, could potentially apply to me. I was in Washington, D.C. the morning of January 6th. I had to leave that morning uh, to get back to my kids. But as I've talked about many times, we were in Washington, D.C. Uh, the weekend prior to that because uh, the uh, uh, extradition uh, decision was being read on January 4th for Julian Assange. So we had uh, events taking place for that. I think we also did um, uh, force the vote protest. Um, and as I've said before, there were, I mean, you mentioned that the they were uh, unprepared. Um, Y'all, uh, there were more cops at our tiny little Assange protest than I think that there were the, at the entirety of January 6th. There were more, I mean, there was like probably two to three cops for every single protester that we had at the Julian Assange event, which was insane to witness. Um, I keep meaning to go back and look through my pictures and videos to see if I can get like an accurate representation of what it actually looked like. It was insane. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we all know that January 6th was not an insurrection. We all know that there was heavy Fed presence. Um, uh, it's uh, now that these videos are coming out, it's starting to really, um, uh, really make that abundantly clear. Um, and so, yes, I hope that more stuff like this, as more stuff like this gets uh, revealed, that people will kind of snap out of, um, you know, especially especially the MAGA people, because they kind of have had this um, uncritical and unwavering support for cops and, you know, the federal agents and all of that stuff. And I'm hoping now that y'all will realize that they're not on your team. They don't play for your team. They don't care about you. They don't work for you. They work for power. They are paid uh, violence uh, officials, basically, uh, violence workers for power. They are there to protect people in power. Um, and, uh, people need to recognize that January 6th is also being used heavily, uh, to further restrict our freedoms and also to, uh, give more money to cops, to give more money to, um, surveillance and all of that stuff. So yes, dear maggot, you got played, um, you were used, you, um, were kind of, uh, led into this situation, um, and there were a lot of people there. I had friends on the ground, journalists who were there covering it, reporting it. And there, most of that was organic. It was like we saw in the videos, a bunch of grandmas who were there who genuinely believed that they got screwed over by their government and they were just there to protest, which is our First Amendment right to do. Uh, but it was very quickly, uh, that that whole effort was very quickly co-opted, uh, infiltration of the highest levels. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to me as we saw people like Ray Epps I mean, some it's obvious. It was so obvious, Adam. It was so obvious. The day that it happened, I called it out as a psyop. And uh, it was it's very strange to me that people that more people weren't able to uh, see what was going on in the game that was being played there. But what do you think? I mean, do you think that this is going to lead to more people uh, uh, recognizing the game that's being played? I hope so. And I also think that if you or I were, were not already on a list before we first met on air, um, <laughs> we're kidding ourselves. Um, yeah, we were already on lists, people, before yeah. we did this, I think. They, they knew what we were going to do before we did it, right? That's the way these mm -hmm. things go. I don't know. I, I it, it takes people reporting this stuff. It's not like people who just tune into their morning news or watch CNN are going to hear about this. Uh, morning Joe ain't going to talk about it, right? That's for sure. Rachel Maddow, forget it. Uh, the Anderson Coopers of the world. Fox News probably. Well, Fox News might report on it because there is this spin. This this if you follow the the money trail of influence here. Why did they shift their focus? Why why did the um why are the air marshals now more concerned about 
innocent Americans just because they attended a funeral on the 10th of January or whatever. You know what I mean? How ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really do hope that these re- these reports go out, um, get blasted. So share this these types of stories, folks, when you run into them. Share them in person. Send them an actual direct message in a text or write down the link on a hard piece of paper and send it in the mail. You really have to get the message out. Otherwise, people have no clue. Yeah. Yeah, this is not something that they're going to put in front of you willingly. So yes, definitely share this. Go find the story. I'm sure Adam will throw it in chats or whatever, but go share this story. And yes, um, I actually know that I'm on a couple different lists. Uh, There was a a, a leak that happened about Assange supporters. So not a surprise. Right. Not a surprise. I'm a very vocal Assange supporter. So uh, I figured I was probably on some list and that just uh, solidified that. So yeah, Adam will be little list buddies. Uh, Hopefully we end up in the same re-education camp together. One can hope. (laughs) We'll make it fun. Uh, All right, Adam, thanks for bringing us a story. We will talk to you again tomorrow as always. Hang tight. We're going to be right back with our guest right here on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chain and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adults cities but for most people i would say charlie it feels normal but it ain't normal (laughs) the world is not normal it's completely gone off kilter charlie robinson on today's news talk radio tnt i said could she die and the doctor said she could it was so scary when i started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? (laughs) How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. All right. And don't forget to check out the video streaming, uh, YouTube, Rockfin. I'm not sure all of the platforms. Uh, I need to find out, I'll get a list of all of the links and stuff, but uh, the team has done an amazing job, tons of work getting the video streaming up and ready to go. So definitely take advantage of that and let your friends know. Um, okay. Our guest today is James Rogowski. James is one of, as I mentioned at the top of the show, really, in my opinion, probably the leading voice on all things COVID uh, in, in, in regards to the WHO and the so-called pandemic treaty, the international health regulations and all of that stuff. Uh, he's been calling out lies and propaganda in the pharmaceutical hospital emergency health industrial complex for decades. Uh, And after having tens of thousands of hours of work removed from the internet, 
uh, with really no explanation. But conveniently, right after writing an article about the use of remdesivir in infants, he ended up over on some on Substack, uh, where he's been doing uh, what what again is, in my opinion, some of the most valuable work on that kind of uh, who treaty stuff uh, in the surrounding power grab. So you can find him on Twitter at James Roguski, which is R O G U S K I, and you can find his work at jamesroguski.com. James, thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, I've had a front row seat at what I think is, you know, quite the soap opera. Um, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people, you know, have tried to simplify what's going on with the WHO, but you know, there are many players, many subplots, many things going on. And um, for eighteen months, I've been uh, trying to raise awareness of a deadline that's coming up this Friday, uh, December first, yeah. and so. Right now, it feels like, uh, you know, I'm watching a slow motion train wreck. Uh, mm. It's so crazy that, you know, if I wrote this up and submitted it to a Hollywood, you know, production team, you know, I, I don't think they would think that this is believable. But what's actually happening, you know, is real life. Yeah. And it's crazy. And it is, you're right. It is a slow motion train wreck. Um, It's been playing out, uh, but I think intentionally very kind of quietly. And also I think it's been made very complicated uh, and difficult to follow. As you mentioned all the time, when you speak about this, it's very confusing. There's all these amendments and all of these different treaties and all this stuff going on. And it's very confusing for people. You do a great job of, uh, you know, kind of um, getting to the heart of things, getting to the meat of things, simplifying it for people. So it's a little bit easier to understand. And you mentioned the deadline uh, coming up on Friday, December 1st. Now, this is for for a handful of amendments that were passed in May of 2022, correct? And this is related to the attempts to minimize the time that countries would have to reject proposed changes to the international health regulations. Do I have that correct? You, you're right on target. And l let me focus on just that one thing. And I know you have an audience you know, all over the place, but the um, most entertaining things going on is actually what's going on in the United Kingdom yeah. and entertaining, not in a good way. And, right. and so rewinding all the way back to when I first got involved with this, the origination of these amendments were a much larger package of amendments that the Biden administration proposed and submitted to the WHO on January 18th, 2022, you know, almost two years ago now. And they were very well hidden for more than two months. I found them, started publicizing them. And one of the things that the Biden administration was trying to do was to change Article 59 of the International Health Regulations. Now, currently, any amendments, there's an 18-month period after they've been adopted by the World Health Assembly where the head of state or possibly the foreign minister of each nation could just write a letter to the WHO and say, well, thank you very much. We know you adopted these amendments at the World Health Assembly, but no thanks, not for our nation. They just write a letter, send it off, and those changes would not apply to that nation. Well, in addition to that 18-month period of rejection, there would be six more months beyond that for a total of 24 months before the nation would have to be in compliance, because at that point it would become legally binding. Well, Biden wanted to change that 18 month period of rejection and 24 months period to come into compliance down to have both of them be six months. Now, if it was six months, if you think about the United States election calendar, at the end of May of 2024, if you go six months beyond that, the Biden administration supposedly will still be in office. Yeah. 
They were trying to set the stage so that they could ram through a pile of amendments this coming May and be over and done with it before his term in office was over. Well, um, luckily, uh, the nations uh, who learned of this put the kibosh on it. His entire package of amendments were kicked to the curb. They were never even discussed at the World Health Assembly. But in my view, in violation of Article 55, which says that nations have to submit any amendments four months in advance, in the middle of the assembly, the United States, along with a handful of other nations, including the United Kingdom and the European Union and Australia and many others, submitted a revised version with four additional amendments to the Article 59, also Article 55, 61, 62, and 63. And those were adopted on May 27th, 2022. Now, it didn't shorten it down to six months. It shortened it down to 10 months and 12 months to be implemented. And that 12 months really matters because if uh, the amendments that are being negotiated right now are adopted next May, in 12 months, all of the legislation would have to be implemented in order to become in compliance. Well, I did a lot of research into Australia and found some very interesting details, which I don't want to confuse everybody. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. That led me to look at what was going on in the United Kingdom. Now, in the United Kingdom, they were one of the nations who proposed these amendments. And when they proposed them in May of 2022, Liz Trust was their foreign minister. Well, she um, got a higher paying job, I guess, when she became prime minister in September of 2022. And the position changed over to James Cleverly. And in September of 22, they published a new revised version of the policies and procedures by which that department, essentially the Foreign Affairs Department, is supposed to handle any kind of international agreements. Well, James Cleverly was in office until November 13th, just a couple of weeks ago. He left office and now David Cameron has taken over that position. So it's musical chairs, but obviously the bureaucrats remain the same. Well, in that document that was submitted, um, you know, all of the policies and procedures in September of 2022, it says very clearly that the Foreign Affairs Office is obligated to present any treaty or amendment or any international agreement to the UK Parliament. And there's supposed to be a 21 day period where the Parliament doesn't, they're, they're not asked to approve it or consent to it or agree to it. They have 21 days and they can, if they wish, choose to reject it. Yeah. Well, conveniently, um, they never got around to doing that. Hmm. And now we're just, you know, three days or so before December 1st. You know, unless you have some kind of unusual time machine, I don't know how you can fit 21 days into In between three days? now. I, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. 
but I don't but think that plot, that works. No, I don't think that that works. Okay, a, listen, we have to take a quick break and get some headlines, but I want to uh, come back to that. And I also want to talk about the petition that was uh, uh, it, uh, admitted as well by Tess Lari, um, because that is also an interesting, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I get neglect uh, that they refuse to even address that. And it's going to go past the deadline. So hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT Radio. Turn on the news. News, 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 flash. TNT Radio TNT News. Radio News. This is James O'Neill. A fragile truce between Israel and Hamas held for a fifth day Tuesday as the terrorist group released more hostages to delay the expected resumption of the war. A court in Moscow on Tuesday extended the detention of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, who was arrested on espionage charges until January 30th. South Korea's defense ministry said on Monday that North Korea has begun rebuilding guard posts and deploying firearms along the border as tensions rise following the North's recent spy satellite launch. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. And hey, while you're doing all the liking and all of that stuff, uh, subscribe, share, comment, all of those things, they uh, genuinely do help algorithmically. So um, I'm sure, as you can imagine, we're pretty shadow banned on most platforms. So uh, do all of the things, help us uh, uh, get past that algorithm. Okay, we're here with James Rogowski. We're talking about uh, the upcoming deadline for um, the international health reg- uh, regulations. So this is about uh, this, just a handful of amendments. And this is really um, basically just about uh, uh, minimizing the time that uh, countries have the ability to reject certain changes to these kinds of things. So you're talking about the UK. There's been this musical chair in terms of leadership. Um, uh, and it, we're now three days away. I don't think that they can uh, really introduce this into Parliament for those 21 days. So what does that mean, James? Well, you know, the plot thickens because back in April of this year, um, Tess Laurie from the World Council for Health submitted a an official Parliament petition uh, to request a discussion in Parliament of these very amendments way back in April. Well, they got well over 100,000 signatures months ago, which is the threshold by which they're supposed to consider that request. And they recently announced that they will be scheduling a debate as the petition requested on December 18th. (laughs) So the last time I looked on my calendar, December 18th is substantially after December 1st. It is. So what, what I meant by this slow moving train wreck is if you go all the way back to 1969 and when these international health regulations were adopted, they were adopted when the moonshot was happening in July of mm-hmm. 1969. Who was paying attention? And so clearly no one in the Foreign Affairs Office of the UK was paying attention to their obligation to you know, give Parliament an opportunity to weigh in on this. Now, it's highly likely that Parliament would have just ignored it and it would have gone through and they don't get to reject it. I mean, I'm sorry, they don't get to approve it. They only have the opportunity to reject it. But here's what everyone seems to be confused about. And it became crystal clear in Australia because Australia doesn't have the same rules. In Australia, the authority to decide to enter into an agreement in the constitution and in all of the laws that anyone might find in Australia, 100% of the decision-making power rests in the executive branch of the government. The parliament has zero say in whether or not 
an, an agreement is entered into. Parliament can and will be told that they have to pass legislation to enact whatever they might need to do um, within the country to make sure that they are compliant with whatever the executive branch has decided. They're not going to be asked to approve or reject any agreement. They're told to implement it. And, you know, they've had the gall to say, especially in Australia, that, you know, they would never do anything to infringe upon the rights and freedoms of the Australian people. Okay. Right. But, but the head opening reality is that the parliament is impotent to stop the agreement. Now, when you go to the United States, most people say, oh, well, wait a minute. You know, the Senate is supposed to give its consent. Yeah, they're supposed to give advice. Nobody asked them for any advice. They're, if they're to be asked for their consent, I just want to put this out to people universally. And you find anywhere in your nation's records where in 1969, you know, your legislators like the Senate, did they vote on joining the international health regulations in 2005 when they made major changes? Can you find any record that your legislative body had any input? If you go to 2022, last 18 months ago, in these 18 months, has other than Andrew Bridgen in you know, the United Kingdom, I, I don't know of one single legislator in the world who has specifically said, hey, you know those amendments that were adopted on May 27, 2022? Um, those need to be rejected. Because think about this. If amendments are adopted next May, they're not going to immediately start reviewing them in Congress or the Senate or the Parliament. There would be a time to prepare you know, something for these legislative bodies to review. It's going to take a little while to get them to wrap their heads around it. They only have 10 months to maybe reject them. That's not going to happen in Australia, but that might happen in other countries. not going to happen in Canada or New Zealand. But then they only have a total of 12 months to write and adopt the implementing legislation. So let me remind you of the Patriot Act and, and the PrEP Act and the CARES Act. Do you think possibly there's legislation hanging out there in you know the ethers somewhere already written, just ready to be enacted? Because if you've got 300 amendments and you have to write that legislation in only 12 months, to be yeah. able to comply with all whatever they may agree to. Um, you know, the only possible reason for not rejecting this change that were adopted last year is to is to work towards ramming through whatever they're going to try to ram through next time. And and so, you know, it's like watching a slow moving train wreck. You can see what they're doing. They're trying to shorten the time period. So, you know, Next year, if they do adopt amendments, there'll be crisis after crisis, distraction after distraction. Mm -hmm. Someone will present some legislation. Nobody, I'll be paying attention, but the vast majority of people will be distracted by life in general. And they want to shorten the process so they can ram through whatever the heck it is they've been negotiating in secret. 
Yes. And that's what's so terrifying about this. And that's why I genuinely appreciate your work because you're right. Most people are not paying attention to this. And obviously mainstream media is not going to discuss it in any real or substantive way. But I'm really kind of disappointed in the independent media space as well, the alternative media space. Uh, there's just not enough people talking about it. And as you mentioned, um, this is one of those things where uh, it, it, you know, you have the 18 months deadline is on Friday and it's just your silence is consent. If you say, if you don't say anything, that means you uh, essentially approve prove it and you're fine with it and it just goes through. And so uh, it, what we need is more attention on it. We need more awareness about it. We need more people, um, you know, encouraging our uh, whoever it is that is making this decision for you and your country to reject these amendments. And there's just not enough pressure being put on. And that's what's so frustrating about it. So we have to take another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked, shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones he pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. We can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we are here with James Rogowski. We're talking about the upcoming deadline that is this Friday. Um, it looks as if, uh, well, I mean, I guess we don't know. Have you heard any rumblings about any potential countries that are uh, that have spoken about uh, rejecting these? Well, there has been just an absolute plethora of misinformation, misinterpretation, various good things, good statements are being made um, by various officials in New Zealand and Estonia and Slovakia. But as of this moment in time, I have not seen, you know, the concrete evidence of a very simple letter that is properly written, you know, from the head of state to the WHO saying, we reject the amendments according to Article 61, you know, from May 27, 2022. A lot of people saying that they're fed up with the WHO and the pandemic treaty and the agreements and the amendments and so forth. But the actual detail of rejection um, has not happened yet. So, you know, I have my fingers crossed. I'm optimistic. But what this is really about and why I've been pushing this for 18 months is this is kind of like a practice run. 
Yeah. Right. If you see how this process works, a lot of people have been pushing on the wrong levers. Okay. In Australia, if you're talking about, you know, reaching out to your members of parliament, you have to understand they're going to be told to implement a decision mm -hmm. that is not made by them. If you're doing that in the United Kingdom, well, you have to realize that the members of parliament there are not going to be asked to accept or approve or consent to any agreement made by the executive branch. They will have an opportunity to reject the, uh, you know, any amendments or a treaty. In the United States, you should be yelling and screaming at your senators for having every last one of all 100 of them being absolutely silent about these changes that went through without a murmur from a single member of the Senate. That is unacceptable. Yeah. And, you know, we have we have elections coming up. And, you know, before um, the May assembly, most, if not all of the states in the United States will be having primary elections. What I encourage everybody to do in the United States, go to exitthewho.com and see the list of House of Representatives. We've already gotten 54 members of the House to sign on to a piece of legislation to exit the WHO. So if you see your congressperson on that list, call him up and say thank you or her and, and say thank you very much for being on the right side of this. But that leaves, you know, 370 or 80 some who are not on that list. So if they're running for re-election and the vast majority of them are, uh, give them a phone call and say, hey, I see that your name's not on the list. I guess that means you're a globalist. Let me go see who else is running you know, against you. I'm going to vote for them because I don't see your name on H.R. 79, which is the WHO Withdrawal Act. With the senators, we only elect a third of the senators each time around. So 34 of the senators who are running for office have miserably failed to you know, insist upon having a discussion about a change to an international agreement. That is unacceptable. That's one of their duties of office. Now, whether or not anybody running for office is any better remains to be seen. But right. it's, our, <laughs> it's our duty to reach out to all of these elected officials and say, look, you work for me. You're supposed to represent me. Why are you representing globalists' concerns when we the people have you know, clearly been ignored? You're not listening to what the people want. You're listening to your donors or lobbyists or globalists or whatever voice is inside your head. It's time to listen to we the people. But that only works when the people are informed and they speak up. And, and so, you know, the easiest thing to do is to take a, a link to this recording and share it with everybody. So you raise awareness of friends and family and, you know, people online or whatever it might be. But it, it starts with understanding that you have a responsibility to tell your public servant what you want them to represent. Now, this is just one issue, right? There are many, many others. But if you don't clearly tell your representative what they want, then you have to look in the mirror and say, well, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is ultimately what's wrong 
in the world is people have in many ways given up and they go, oh, there's nothing you can do. Well, that plays into their game. If you're silent, it means that whatever they said they were planning on doing, you're okay with it. And and yeah. so it, it's it's very much as if somebody knocked on your door and said, hey, here's a document. I just want to let you know. Um, next month, I'm going to come by and I'm going to take your car. Unless unless you object. And you just stood there and looked at him and said, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, this is how they play the game. They tell you what they're going to do. They make an agreement. They give you 18 months to reject it. And each and every member of every single legislative body in the world, with the exception of Andrew Bridgen in the UK, as far as I know, not a single one has said, hey, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, we need, uh, you know, even write a I even wrote the darn letters a month and a half ago. If you yeah. go to rejecttheamendments.com, um, I, I wrote letters that, you know, people could write to President Biden or to Tedros or to the Congress people. We couldn't even get one senator to speak about this. It's an God, abomination. That's so disappointing. It's an it's abomination. It's so disappointing. Yes. That's a crazy disappointment. And it's so fresh. And not even just in the United States, but that there's only one politician on the entire planet Earth who has said anything about this is really frustrating. And uh, I mean, listen, I'm not somebody who, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of of two minds about this. I'm not necessarily somebody who thinks that uh, lobbying our politician does much politicians does much good. I they very clearly do not work for us. They work for their donors. They do not care what we think. That's been made abundantly clear. Um, however, I do think that something like this, especially when you've made it so easy for people, the letter is there. All you have to do is print it out, sign it, and send it. That's it. I don't know if you could have made it any simpler. Um, so uh, it, I mean. Why not? It doesn't take long. I mean, it takes, uh, you know, maybe five minutes to get it printed out and signed and in an envelope and stamped and addressed and all of that stuff. Shoot it in your mailbox and it's done. That's it. And it's I mean, at the very least, I think people could do that. I've done that. I've uh, downloaded and printed your letters. I did that the last time you were on. I think that's right when you had uh, gotten those together um, and, and make it like making phone calls. It, I mean, I uh, advocate for doing that for Julian Assange all the time. It takes five minutes, maybe not even that. If you get the answering service. Uh, you leave a message, it takes, you know, two minutes, maybe max. Um, so it, it's really incumbent upon us. That is something that we can do. I'm not going to say that it's going to be effective, but at the very least, you can go to bed at night knowing that you've done something. You've attempted to raise, a, you know, raise your voice about this. Um, and if you put pressure, if enough public pressure is put on them, I feel like that's the only, that's the only way we ever get anything accomplished is through mass public pressure. Um, so, I mean, obviously, uh, do you think it's too late? for this. And I, I've heard you talk about this. Maybe you could put some minds at ease. I've heard you say that this deadline on Friday, it's not the end of the world. So can you talk about that and just kind of explain why the, you know, if this deadline on Friday goes and these amendments actually do uh, go into effect, that it's not the end of the world, that we can still attempt to fight back against this thing? Many people have misrepresented all of the other information from the other different things that are being negotiated. There's yeah. what they now are calling the pandemic agreement. Many people have called it a treaty or an accord or a convention or whatever. Um, all of the details in there are still coming. And I'm optimistic because they're arguing amongst themselves over money and intellectual property and many, many things. 
those negotiations are not going very well at all for them. They're going to have meetings next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday um, in December, the um, 4th, 5th, and 6th. The the, um, negotiations regarding the 300-plus amendments that many people are concerned about rightfully, those have been going horribly well as well, and horribly bad, I should say, as well. And in October, they very clearly said that they're pretty sure they're not going to meet their deadline, uh, and which is the end of January, to propose them and submit them four months in advance of the May assembly. So they're having serious problems. And what I'm looking at is in the alternative media, all of these things have been jumbled together. And yeah. many people are are fearful and freaking out that, you know, December 1st is going to be some kind of Armageddon where, you know, the end of the world in terms of the WHO is going to happen. This is a relatively small issue. It's very important. But the bigger issue is to understand that our representative democratic processes were lost in regards to this in 1969. What they did is they created a system where the heads of state nominate or appoint delegates to go to Geneva, make decisions. They make decisions in private and quiet. Yeah, they publish them, but nobody gives them any attention. And the people don't necessarily have a say. It's not a loss of sovereignty because our head of state can reject them. But we have lost control over the ability to influence our legislature and our executive branch. And that is the problem that in you know these next couple of days, people need to be able to see very clearly that the way the system is structured, they're not listening to you. There's no public comment. You can't get through to the people. You can't even figure out who it is. And, and in general, it's the foreign minister Secretary of State, you know, um, Minister of Foreign Affairs, whatever it may be called in various countries, those people do not listen to the legislature. They do not listen to we the people. And in nations like the United States, where the Senate is supposed to weigh in and their consent is supposed to be given, they have been silent. So what I see this is as a practice run where we the people get to understand how this process works. And from this point forward, we need to pay very close attention to everyone in the Senate and say, look, they're they're talking about international agreements. It's your job to weigh in with your advice and either give or withhold your consent. So what I am thinking is actually a blessing in disguise with what's going on right now is people need to learn in their nation, every nation's a little bit different, which buttons do we need to push? Which levers do we need to pull? It doesn't do any good to be talking to people who have no power. You have to identify who it is in your nation that screwed up in this first pass through, identify who they are, and be all up in their face for the next six months and let them know exactly how you feel. And we will be able to see what the power of the people can 
or cannot accomplish. Yes. And that is a great point. I also think that we, I mean, the biggest obstacle, at least in my opinion, maybe you'll agree, disagree, uh, is really just getting the information to people. And I think that that really speaks to the absolute failure of our mainstream media. And again, I'm disappointed in alternative media because I don't see this being talked about much. Uh, I mean, there are certain pockets where people are discussing it. Last American Vagabond. I mean, there's there's some people who are doing some good work on this and who are at least right. talking about it. But it's just not enough, James. It's just not enough. And I think that they're generally speaking, the average American person doesn't have a clue about what's going on here. Uh, and that's what's so frustrating. But I, I think it's great that you're talking about overall the general process and how it is really um, our, our our representation has been stripped away from us. We do not impact these decisions really at all. Um, and I think that that's a, a huge issue moving forward. And I think that, uh, you know, people need to be made aware of that and then they need to start uh pushing back they need to start as you said you know pushing those buttons pulling those levers you need it i mean you can't impact anything if you don't even uh speak on it if you just go about complacent and you just you know kind of go along to get along you don't talk about it you don't make any effort whatsoever and um so yeah i mean like james said uh, share a link to this show if you would like if you don't want to share a link to the show james does shows all the time uh, you know he covers this stuff on his Substack. share his work uh uh, all over the place, share it, you know, on social media, send it in emails, talk about it in per like in real life, face to face with your friends and family. It's the holiday season. What better time to make your friends and family aware of the fact that uh, this kind of stuff is going on uh, than when you're gathered around with a bunch of people. I mean, uh, it's something that, as you said, it's not the end of the world. This obviously this deadline on December 1st is a big deal. I don't mean to minimize it in any way. It is a big deal. Um, but I think that we still have an opportunity here not all all is not lost yet um uh but it is as you said this is kind of a dress rehearsal i've been saying that for a very long time they're they're just kind of trying to get their feel about how they can strip these rights away from us and do these kinds of things so um mm -hmm. if we we ha but we have to get uh, you know we have to get ahead of it we have to um, uh, start pulling those levers and pushing those buttons. So um, uh, obviously print off the letter that's on uh, James's Substack. You can send it to your representatives. Um, educate yourself about which representatives you should be sending that to. Can be, Do you have that? Do you have like a handy list or something to wear or do you have a, um, different websites for different countries? There's a very easy link for the United States to click on um, on rejecttheamendments.com. Uh, you know, the media's job is to distract you. Yes. Just be aware. Now, alternative media is supposed to inform you. So share this information with your favorite other alternative media host and yes. say, look, you had 18 months. Why have you failed me? Now, thank you very much. You know, you've had me on a couple of times and other folks on TNT radio. Um, it's been a blessing, you know, to give me access to your audience to share this information. It starts with awareness. You identify who your allies are, you build those relationships, and then you focus your effort on the appropriate lever in government. And, yeah. you know, in the United States, for the most part, um, that's the Senate and the Secretary of State, because what we're dealing with, it's got nothing to do with health. This is yeah. all about foreign affairs. And, you know, they're trying to keep it a secret from everybody. But, you know, we get to see how it works. And in the next six months, we get to shut it down. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And again, I just appreciate your work so much. You are welcome here on this show. Anytime you would like to come on, anytime there's an update or you feel like there's something we're not discussing enough, uh, you are welcome to contact me and I will have you on anytime that you would like to come on. So um, everybody ch- check out jamesroguski.com. Again, that's R-O-G-U-S-K-I. All of the information that you could possibly need is there. Uh, get the letter, download it, print it, send it to your elected representatives. Start pushing back on this uh, before it's too late. I mean, we're, we still have some time now uh, to make an impact. So definitely take advantage of that. James, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I really appreciate that. I will be back tomorrow with another show for you. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shays right after this on TNT Radio.